This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Today on the podcast, I am not Chris Wayne. My name is Colin Wood. I'm the executive pastor at Long Hollow, and uh, it is a privilege to be here. I'm humbled and honored to be sitting in the seat that Chris did every week with you, Pastor. Yes, every week. And, and some of you may be knowing, uh, wondering, why is Colin Wood talking in place of Chris Wayne? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, today on the podcast, we'll talk about uh, Chris Swain and remember uh, our friend, our brother, our co-worker, dad, uh, husband. There's a lot, of, a lot of names, relationships that Chris went by. But uh, before we, we get to some of the, the future episodes that Chris had already recorded, yes. uh, we thought, you know what, uh, why don't we just talk about Chris Swain um, that we all know and love. Uh, Pastor, uh, did Chris call you Robbie or Pastor on the podcast? Because I go back and forth mm. depending on the context. Uh, I'm pretty certain he always called me Pastor. Okay. Not just on the podcast, but in the truck <laughs> and on the lake. I don't think he. I don't even think he knew my name really. It was always Pastor. Pastor, that's a great <laughs> yeah. fish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good catch, Pastor. <laughs> Which is fine. So I, I, I'm honored he'd call me that. But you, you call me whatever you want. Okay, Pastor. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, our, our lives were forever changed on a on a Friday Friday evening. Can you yeah. just talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I will. Before before I do that, though, I think it's important to introduce Colin Wood for those who are wondering who in the world is is Colin Wood. Um, so Colin is uh, has been a friend of mine and staff member for probably thirteen years. I think we, so. We've been serving together for thirteen years. Um, Colin was at Brainerd Baptist Church uh, before I'd gotten there. And uh, I, Colin and I are the same age, so he like like I would be was pretty uh, um, anxious and uh, concerned about the new pastor coming in who only had five years as a Christian under his belt and three years as a pastor. And Colin's first question, this is funny, a lot of people don't know this, Robert, but Colin said to some uh, staff members, what'd you say about me coming in? I was anxious about who the next pastor was going to be, and then when I found out, I remember thinking, is this person even biblically qualified to be a pastor? He's been a Christian for less time than I've been a pastor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know if I was qualified either, but they called me, so... Uh, no, I'm playing. So we got there, and um, shortly afterward, Colin and I uh, and a few other guys created a lead team scenario. Uh, Colin was helpful in archetyping and, and creating uh, the Replicate discipleship model at Brainerd. He was, a, he was a huge part of that. And when I came to Long Hollow, he was the first guy I asked to come with me. Uh, he was actually in the truck when they called me and said, you're officially, uh, we're officially pursuing you as the pastor of Long Hollow. Colin started as creative arts pastor. Now he's the executive pastor. And so as I was praying and thinking with Candy, my wife, who would, who would replace Chris? You know, cause we, we felt like, and we know Chris well enough to know Chris would want the podcast to continue. We know yes. that about Chris. This was his pride. I mean, uh, he, he loved the podcast. He loved it. 
In fact, he, he <laughs> Chris was the back end of the podcast, you know, literally not to give too much away, but Chris would be thinking all week about ideas and give them to me like Monday morning, uh, you know, like 30 minutes in advance. Is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so uh, he loved this podcast and I think he'd wanted to continue. So as we prayed, I thought, who knows me well enough, who knows the structure, the system of, of discipleship and long hollow and ministry and who's a friend. And it was a no brainer. So I asked Colin, I said, Colin, would you pray about it? He said, I don't have to pray about it. I'm in, I'm honored to do it. So it's very humbling. Uh, it's a great honor to be asked. It, it's funny. I went back after you asked me and listened to some of the podcasts, but in a different way, mm. I'd been a listener before, yeah. but now I listened through the ears of a, a future host. And it was funny, you recorded a podcast a few weeks ago with Andrew Bolton, where Chris told Andrew his job as a co-host of the podcast, and it was basically to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I thought, Chris is teaching me how he co-hosted the podcast. So I've been practicing my mm-hmms and my... <laughs> The laugh, you know, people told you that was the laugh is what, what made it, you know, it was oh, that laugh. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. Well, I'm glad you're here, brother. It's uh, it's an honor to have you. Um, I'm excited to do this podcast because, as you, as you alluded to earlier, Chris and I, prior to the week he passed or the week we found him unresponsive, we decided before my sabbatical, we were going to record six podcasts in a week. Mm. Now think back to this. Now we think you're thinking now. What, what, first of all, what were we thinking? But uh, thank God we did, yeah. because Chris and I talked about this idea of revival. Let's cap the revival uh, season with stories and and insights from guys who saw revival, experienced revival, mm. were the sons of revivalists, and so we have those podcasts recorded, ready to release. But we felt like we needed to record a little backstory of, of why we're here and how we got here. So, Colin, answer your question. Um, I'll take you guys back to leading up to to the phone call when I heard Chris was in the in the emergency room, unresponsive, and I needed to get there immediately. So that week, leading up to uh, that Friday night, I think it was July, was it 9th? The Friday, I can't remember what date it was. You can look that up, Robert. It was the Friday after the July 4th uh, weekend. Was it the 9th? Nice. Yeah, I still remember. Yeah, it was the 9th. So um, that week, uh, Chris's family uh, was heading out of town to go on vacation with his kids. My wife and kids, because I was off for my sabbatical that started that week, um, they wanted to go to the beach, and I was ready to go to the beach, but something just caused me to stop and pause and I just felt like, and now I know why, but back then I just, I just had this overwhelming feeling I needed to spend a few days in a silent retreat or on a silent retreat. You remember this, Colin? I do. And I told y'all all this. I said, this is what I feel like the Lord doing. Um, and so I sent my family away. Candy and the boys left on Wednesday. Right after I dropped them off at, off at the airport at 7, 7.30, I came back home and began a two-day silent retreat. Mm. Um, I have a little shed in the back of my house, the prayer shed. You've heard me talk about it, but I go pray in that little prayer shed and, uh, I spent the next two days. Now you may be wondering, what is a silent retreat? Probably another episode to talk about, <laughs> you know, probably not this one, but I'll just tell you this. It's silent. You know, it's pretty silent. Uh, no talking, uh, no TV for how long? 
Um, I made it, so, so you, I could say two days, but it really was from 7.30ish. Didn't even have the radio on driving home. I was all into it from dropping the kids and candy off. Um, from, from Wednesday, 7.30 till Thursday afternoon when I met with y'all. Mm-hmm. So basically about 36 hours, 38 hours, I guess. Wow. Uh, I only broke it, full disclosure, for, for 10 minutes to talk to the kids and candy that night. I felt like I had to talk to the kids, you know. Hey, I'm alive. Dad's okay, you know. But if you think about that, I, I, cut, I cut the grass that day. In total silence. I just put the uh, the headphones on, didn't listen to anything. Uh, when I went to, I drove in the car one time. I think, can't remember where I went. Uh, pick up some food or something. I can't remember. Um, total silence. Uh, no, I don't think I drove in the car to get food. I think I door. Thank God for DoorDash. You know, contactless delivery. No, you don't have to talk to anybody. But anyway, I did that for two days. And at the end of it, there wasn't really anything. Uh, extraordinary or supernatural that I heard or learned. It simply was, I just felt like, this is what I felt like, God was preparing me for something. Mm. Now, if you would have asked me at the time, I would have said, God's preparing me for the sabbatical. Mm -hmm. Because what was happening was, the Saturday, the the 10th, after we found Chris, that Saturday morning, I was catching the red-eye flight, Robert was gonna help me get to the airport, to meet my family for a 10-day, uh, time at the beach. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And you were going too. So you were going, I was going, Robert was the whole the whole lead team here, they try to plan their vacation around me because when I'm gone, at least they can rest, have some semblance of rest. But when I'm here, there's no semblance of rest. But anyway, um so we all had pushed through the revival to get here. And I would say you, I mean you can comment on this. How how are you? You were probably exhausted as well. Yeah, right. I think we were all looking forward to just a time of of rest and a chance to to breathe. Mm, yeah. So we get to this, we get to Friday afternoon. Uh, so I get out of the silent retreat on Friday, and um, I catch the biggest fish of my life Friday morning. Chris missed it because of his dog. He couldn't leave that dog. He had that dog he just had to take care of and had to... Had to has he talked about the dog on the podcast? Because I don't, I don't remember. He did, nah, probably not. Because he just got the dog. Okay, so. I tell you what. When we come back from break, let's tell about Emmett the bulldog. Ooh, okay, that's a good story. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been, and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the Collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders. And you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com. Replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. 
And we're back. <laughs> feels very uh, just like it too. So feels just... very very strange to say that in Chris's place, but uh, again, what an honor. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, uh, the story of Emmett the Bulldog. Mm. Chris has had his eye on an English bulldog for as long as I can remember. He's talked about. Oh yeah. Adding to the family, they already have Oz. Yeah. If you follow uh, him or his family on on social media, you get Oz updates. Yep. Uh, but recently, Chris had added a bulldog, and we both love dogs. We have dogs. Oh yeah. But Chris, in true Chris fashion, took it to a whole different level. Oh yeah. This dog was on a schedule, wasn't he? Oh gosh. It, the do- I don't know if the dog was on the schedule or Chris was on the schedule <laughs> because because he couldn't go anywhere and and I asked him when we went when he missed the fishing trip where yeah. not only did I catch a four pounder but I caught over I caught two over four pound fish and the guy with me caught two more over four pounds so Chris was destined to catch his biggest fish of his life and yet he was home potty training well he this bulldog he couldn't leave Emmett for longer than two hours right and here's what he told me because on the way home I said Chris what is going on with this dog you were trying to get this dog on a schedule he said Robbie two months of misery for a lifetime of enjoyment (laughs) (laughs) and he was right now he was saying the way only Chris could say and the way he could say it Robbie I've been to your house and I've seen your three (laughs) I've seen your three dogs and they are out of control and could use some training right now uh and so I got the point but uh Chris couldn't go fishing that morning and so but he was going to go with me to a baseball game we have a local ministry in our church we support and um get behind and they have a local baseball team Reach, reach out to athletes all over the country. Uh, it's called Rhythms is the name of the game uh, or the league. And so we uh, we were going to the game. And so Chris had told me uh, he'll be at my house around 6.30. The game was at 7. 5.30, he texted me, 5.35, and he says, hey, I'm going to walk this dog. He said, the dog... He said, the dog is about as happy as you were, this is a funny little quote to the sermon, as you were when you were kicking holes in the wall of your home. Basically, I said a sermon, I talked about an illustration where I used to get mad at my parents and kick holes in the wall when I was a kid. And I know none of y'all have ever done anything like that, but I did. And so Chris said, the dog is about as mad as you about wanting to go for a walk. Uh, But he said, I'm going to take the dog for a walk and I'll be over. Well, that's the last I heard of Chris. Um, I went to my bedroom and I finished packing. Remember, I'm taking the 7 a.m. flight, leaving at 5 the next morning from my house. And I finished packing, and when I'm putting the last piece uh, of clothes in the luggage, I mean, I'm about to close the luggage up, my mother-in-law runs in the house because they stay with us in the uh, suite behind us. She runs in and she says, Katie wants to know why you're not picking up your phone. And I said, what do you mean? She said, "Uh, Candy's been calling you. Something happened to Chris. You talk about a, a life change in a moment. Um, I run and get my phone, call my wife. She says, get to the ER now. Chris is found unresponsive. Now, I heard unresponsive, and I thought, well, they got him back. I mean, just like anybody who falls out, you bring him back, and mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So then I called you on the way to the hospital, and you said, no, he's still unresponsive. That, like, they haven't brought him back, which at that point, I didn't have a category for that of someone close that had gone through that. So I, like you, are thinking, he's just going to wake up. They'll bring him back. He'll be normal. I mean, because he's in the perfect health. He's 47. You were just talking to him. Just texting him. 
47 years old. He just lost a bunch of weight. He was healthier than ever. And uh, so we get to the hospital. I saw you there. Robert was there. And the next six days of our life were basically put on pause. Hmm. It's the best way I could say it. Mm -hmm. Everything stopped, right? I mean, everything stopped. And we spent every day, our wives more than us, our wives ministering to his wife hours a day, hours and hours and hours a day. And we would go there. And, And honestly, at first it was really tough for me to go. Uh, I mean, obviously I was there, but it was tough. Hmm. Um, but I just felt like, okay, what, what, what is the Lord doing? Now, little did I know that two-day silent retreat was preparing me for two weeks of the hardest season of my personal life that I'm going to go into. Because little did I know, my father-in-law would be found the same way six days later. Hmm. It's ironic that we're recording the podcast today. Uh, because today is the three-year anniversary of the passing of another one of our lead team members and close friends, Tony Pasley. Yeah. So unfortunately, this is not this this phone call about Chris was not the first time we've experienced no. something like well, this. Oh, it's so good to think about, man. Three years ago today, we lost uh, another lead team member who was a friend and a role model and someone we we. Uh, Love to spend time with, shared an office with him as well, <laughs> like Chris. Um, but um, yeah, what I'm learning, just just kind of a heads up from Tony and just that, what, what you have to do with something like this is, one, if you don't have a healthy belief in the sovereignty of God and, and, and an understanding of the narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this life is not, this world is not our home, this life is not all there is, and this is a preparatory place for another place we're going. If you don't have that narrative in your mind, then what do you do? I, I thought about that over and over and over. What do people do to try to make sense of something like this? And for us, it's not just once. For me, it's five different people in four years. So Tony was uh, 2019, Jared Wilson, end of 2000, uh, or toward the end of 2019, Darren Patrick, 2020, Chris Swain, 2021, and then a guy at our former church, Todd Wood, before that. So five guys in four years, all in ministry, all served together, all friends, and uh, you have to think, okay, there's got to be a bigger picture here. So we're at the hospital uh, that first night, and um, now instead of leaving for sabbatical, which we had limped to, and here's the thing about revival. You may be thinking, just like I used to think, man, you're in revival. What are you talking about? Why are you tired? (laughs) You're seeing God move. You're seeing people saved. You're seeing hundreds and thousands baptized. baptized. Why would you need a break from that? Well, a pastor, wise pastor called me early on in the revival, and he said, what you're experiencing at Long Hollow is the fire of God falling. And he said, but the thing about a fire is this. It's amazing to watch a fire and experience a fire. But if you stand too close, too long to a fire, hmm. you get burned. Hmm. And I felt like we were... If we continued at that pace, we were going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So here we are limping to the, to, the, to the vacation, and now we are having to call family back. You're canceling. Robert's canceling. Everybody, because we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And for six days, we go through this journey. Now, on Sunday, uh, I was supposed to be gone, but now I'm like, I'm here, so I'm going to preach. And I came out of my sabbatical with what I felt like was a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I'd been in a series on faith, and maybe we can link to that in the show notes on that sermon when I preached on faith. Uh, but I just talked about the faith that will carry you through trials. We've been talking about faith to believe, faith to see God move. And uh, I came out of that uh, time, and I was still pretty fragile. Chris was three days in the hospital, three days on, or two and a half days unresponsive at this time, or two days unresponsive. And um, after praying the night before, the Lord just really clearly laid, laid in my heart, you need to go pray over him. You've been preaching on faith. You've seen me do miracles. Why would I not do this, right? And so I felt like the five weeks of faith series led up to this moment. So I told the church, I'm going to go at 2 p.m., set your clock. I'm going to go into the hospital, me and the lead guys, and we're going to pray, and we're believing God is going to bring this man back from being unresponsive. Um, and if you want to join us, you can get in the lot, you can get in the uh, parking lot, gather around, you pray while we're in there, and we're going to believe. But if you can't go, you don't have to, just pray at 2 o'clock. Well, our people, man, rallied around mm -hmm. that. I think we ended as as I just called everybody to a time of prayer at the altar. You can go back and watch the service. But at two o'clock, so I left there, went home for an hour and a half. I felt, you know, it's crazy to think this, but I felt like almost like uh, I'd say the high priest of Israel preparing to go into the holy of holies. But I did feel kind of like this was a holy moment. Yeah. You know, this was a sacred moment. And I have to tell you, I went into that time, I think you would agree, because you, you, you got to go in with me. It was you, me, and a, another one of our lead guys. I really believe Chris was coming back. Like, like, I really believed he was coming back. There was no doubt in my mind to think that he wasn't coming back. Um, what Was the situation dire? Yes. I mean, his brain activity had stopped. Uh, he was unresponsive, no gag reflex, couldn't swallow, no eye movement, corne cornea movement uh, was at a minimal. I mean, nothing, nothing. But yet, I had preached this series for weeks and weeks about faith, and we talked about this. Faith is believing that it's so when it's not so because God says so so that it could be so. Mm. And so here we are, you and I, we go in there, and that 30-minute prayer time may have been May have been one of the most intense prayer times of my life. You? Me too. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, this is probably a, a pod, a, an entirely separate podcast or even series on how do you balance or how do, how do you hold in tension, if you will, faith and the sovereignty of Ooh, God. Because yeah. I, I'm with you. We, we, and we even talked about going in that day. Mm. If, if we doubt... If, if, if we don't think God can do this, then we don't need to go in That's good, and, yeah. and pray for this. And so I remember examining my own heart. Is there doubt? Uh, is, is God's healing dependent on my level of faith or level of doubt? There are a lot of things that all of a sudden you're wrestling with that you don't need to on a day, to, or I, at least I don't think about on a day today basis before we get into those details and what happened next um one of the things that has stood out to me since chris's passing is um just all the memories of chris that have come to my mind and i don't know why it takes someone not being there anymore for us to remember the little things that uh, were special or made them unique uh, we we joked about his passion for training a dog. Um, he, he's, he's the same way with everything 
uh, that he does in life. Uh, passion may be the right word. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but if you ask, if you asked Chris about anything, there was a certain way that he did it. Intentionality. Intentionality. Melissa, word, yeah. his wife, has even talked about the correct peanut butter to yes. purchase. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yep, that's Chris. Well, what's something that you remember that was just so uniquely Chris uh, that that makes you miss him today? No oh, man, I think Chris had the ability to take something very serious and lighten it up mm -hmm. uh, in, in a way that didn't minimize the seriousness and. Mm. Uh, he, he also, uh, I think what also was just amazing about Chris, this is probably why we got along so well, is uh, he was as versed as I was on certain things, but he was way more versed than I was on everything. So like he and I would get into something and we're all into fishing or kayaking or ham radio or whatever, whatever Disc it is. Golf. Disc golf or guitar playing or 80s, 90s, whatever it was, you know, we're all in together. But Chris would take it to a whole other level. So for example, every song that was coming out from a band of the 90s and 80s, Chris knew months before and he would let us all know, right? Any app that would be helpful for, like he, I don't know how he knew this stuff. I was thinking the other day, how do I get back to at least staying up to date, you know? Any new book series, remember? He would have yeah. the books way before anybody would have yeah. them. Or he would have, um, I was thinking, Something else he would have. Not just TV uh, show. I mean, you name it. Yes. Not every uh, fiction book that I would listen to or read was recommended by oh, yeah. Chris Wayne. Every podcast we're listening to, most of them. Yes. Chris. So he just had that ability to consume massive amount of information and assimilate it and and package it in a way that people could digest it. And um, yeah, that's one of the things I'll miss. Well, I, I know there are a lot of things, a lot of lessons that I have learned from Chris and that I'm still learning as I remember back to things that he said or, or did. Uh, next week on the podcast, we're gonna talk about some lessons that we've learned both from Chris's life and from Chris's death. I think God has taught us all something uh, through the experience uh, that we had at the end of, of Chris's life. But as we leave today's, as we end today's podcast, I want to play a clip for you, Pastor, from the very last episode that of the podcast that you and Chris recorded. I listened to it as I, as I always do, and I had to stop the episode at one point because of what you and Chris were talking about. You were talking about spiritual warfare, hmm. and then you said something about suffering that I had to stop and think, Chris and Robbie had no idea what was about to come. And so I wanna play this clip for you, and then next week we will talk about lessons that we have learned from Chris's life and Chris's death. Thanks for joining us today. God is sovereign over spiritual warfare. Chris, I'm learning, and, and we did a whole podcast on the level of spiritual warfare that mm -hmm. Candy and me and our family endured yeah. leading up to the revival and even through the revival. Mm -hmm. we, and we talked about putting on the spiritual armor every day, visually, emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. uh, you know, visualizing it and putting it on, praying over it. Um, but one of the things I've realized is that God 
God's greatest instrument to bring you and me into a closer, intimate relationship with him mm-hmm. is suffering, it is a trial. That's what he uses. God is always about molding and shaping us into the image of his son, okay? Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.